All right, this is the Coast to Coast Combat Hour for March 24th. Uh, I forget how many days deep into quarantine we're in. Matthew, how is it going on the West Coast? Surviving, uh, not shaving, uh, eating a lot, <laughs> eating a lot healthier though. Uh, I'll tell you that, man. I uh, cooking your every meal for the last about ten days or so. So uh, it's uh it's not not a terrible change, but yeah, it definitely uh, gets a little quiet uh, in the quarantine. I did I did go to work for a couple hours this morning though, so it was nice to at least get out and. Uh, at least see people, not necessarily interact with them, but see that the world is, uh, is still somewhat ticking. Yeah. I mean, the, everyone keeps using the term lockdown and stuff like that. It's more like, I mean, I don't know about you, but by me, it's more like a curfew. And if you're dicking around with in groups and stuff like that, then they'll, they'll, they'll probably like make you stand six feet apart. But outside of that, I mean, uh, it's been pretty quiet here on the East coast. Uh, I'm in Jersey, just below New York, which is like the highest, highest infected place in the country. So, uh, and and uh, folks that listen to the co- podcast know New York is where I like to go to get my good beer and good women and all that stuff. And so I'm 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 being uh I'm being uh you know made to stay away from all that. So pretty boring here in Jersey. Yeah, you're, you're stuck there <laughs> in Jersey. Yeah, no, I. You know, we're both bachelors, so we're uh, we're used to a little bit of quarantine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. more, more than more than uh, more than at least the average family man is. Yeah, but, uh, I know. I was saying that to you uh, when we were planning to go on just now. I was just saying that uh, you know the only thing that sucks for me it's like it's not too different from my day to day life. I just can't. Obviously, I can't go to training with all this uh, you know social distancing. But that's the only that's the only thing that's bothering me right now. Well, you're getting a chance to get caught up on a bunch of your writing with uh, with all of your uh, different outlets. So at least at least you got that going. Uh, although the content right now is is fairly thin uh, for for news related stuff. Oh, uh, for, sure. that's Fernando from last week. He was MMA News dot com managing editor. Yeah, we're yeah. we're good to go, Fernando. Don't worry. We're this your your request is sort of. Uh, inspired uh, what we're going to talk about on this week's uh, podcast. Yeah. And I hope, I hope you're doing safe yourself, uh, Fernando. So I uh, appreciate the, the well wishes, but yeah, everything uh, we're, we're both seem to be doing fine and uh, you know, just uh, trying to avoid the, the craziness that uh, potentially I guess could still uh, come down the pike. So yeah. uh, I mean, just recent news, just to jump into a couple things before we really kind of get into our topic for the show. Uh, We've seen Dana White essentially say that UFC 249 will go down, not in Brooklyn, uh, the uh, <laughs> East Coast uh, uh, cursed arena. Thank God. Uh, I mean, they're kind they're of a good Barclays. Thing. So maybe it's a good thing that you just don't get the event at all. We'll, yeah. just, we'll, just, we'll just skip all the all the minutia and, uh, and, and get straight to the point. So that'll be interesting to see where that happens. I know Japan had a K1 event this weekend, um, one of their big yearly K1 Fiesta shows. Uh, I didn't catch it. it. It's not, they still don't make it really easy for uh, a simple man to be able to find yeah. online, but um, I well, know they have I mean, an arena full of people. So, Oh uh, really? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, Japan doesn't have a lot of issues uh, as far as numbers with the coronavirus right now, but uh, definitely a, a bit of a bold and, and some people saying stupid move uh, ha- having an arena full of people. So yeah, you know, that unfolds. Uh 
then the other thing was uh, it was actually uh, I know uh, Fernando did the results over at MMA News and I did the live results for MyMMANews.com. The Cage Warriors event that was on Fight Pass that was closed off, much like UFC Brasilia. Um, they got a new lightweight champion over there, and uh, Mason Jones. Um, he actually said he'd like to defend one time before he gets uh, any calls from the UFC, which he probably will get that chance, or maybe not, depending on how thing. I think UFC, uh, the UK just further locked down after that event, so that might be a, a while for him. But, um, I mean, it's not completely stagnant in combat sports. I know ESPN's been showing a lot of old stuff and the dr- dramatized versions of uh, events and stuff like that, so... Uh, you and I kind of started talking about, well, why don't we, uh, why don't we, instead of going off of, uh, the, the catalogs that, and the stuff that's being re-aired, why don't we just talk about some of our own, uh, uh especially you more, more so than me, cause you're, you, you've been to more live events than I have, but, uh, um, what we were going to go back down uh, memory lane and, and talk about the fights that, uh, the fights that kind of like, are or the events that kind of really hooked us into, uh, the sport that we uh, found had us make this podcast. So I, I know you have a longer list than I do, so you might as well take it from here. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, 99.9% of us that got in, into the, for the, into MMA and the, and the love of combat sports, uh, if it didn't come from boxing, uh, came from the UFC. So obviously those events, uh, the initial, um, tournaments one through uh seven and then eight and, and then we had the nine which fights and then 10 brought back the tournament and then we started getting into the the four-man tournaments and such so a lot of that old school no holds barred stuff is is stuff that's a given um i wanted to focus on a couple events that uh that maybe the just bleed in me but the the uh, things events that i watched the the hell out of when i was uh right in the midst of the UFC because people complaining about events right now. Well, you got to remember there used to be three, four, five months between UFC events. And that's all you had um, up until about 1996. So for the first couple years um, of it was UFC was what you had access to. And then um, you started seeing some uh, VHS traders Hmm. and uh, Panther productions uh, in in the old, (laughs) in the old black belt magazine. Um, would would sell uh vhs and you would have to overpay you'd end up spending like 60 dollars on a video uh, vhs <laughs> yeah. tape from an event in brazil well i i went out and did it and i actually sitting on uh, i still have uh much of my vhs um but the the one that really got me going was the world valley Tudo championship uh the first event took place in brazil um or i'm sorry took place in japan uh, was headlined by uh, uh, a, a super fight between Marco Huas, who at the time, being a UFC guy, you, you knew him, and then Steve Jenham, who uh, was the is famous for being the alternate who won UFC 3. So they set up a super fight at that time, um, and it was the UFC 7 champ against the UFC 3 champion. Jenham was still a bit of an unknown at the time. Um, he... he got some flack. He came into UFC four, uh, picked up a nice win over Milton Bowen. Um, and then he had his, uh, and then he eventually lost to tank Abbott, um, in, in the ultimate ultimate. 
but he was still a little bit of an unknown. And back then, everybody was kind of an unknown. Um, and his style was ninjutsu. So back then, <laughs> you still weren't sure if somebody was a ninja or you, you didn't know. It, 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 was, yeah. it was just a totally different time uh, in the sport, as, as I'm sure you you uh, you can confirm that as well, Ed. But um, the event, yeah, the event was big. Uh, and when, when uh, was that again? 90. This is in 1996, um, August 14th, 1996. Uh, it took place in Tokyo, Japan. So it was headlined by, uh, by uh, like I said, a super fight between Jenim and Huas. And then it also had an eight-man, no-holds-barred, bare-knuckle tournament. Um, and while the names in the tournament were, at the time, they weren't, uh, they weren't, there weren't any big names per se. Uh, the only name in it that eventually got me a, a little bit hooked was a guy named Richard Red Hurd, who, uh, who came up through this. Um, he actually uh, goes on to win the tournament. I mean, I hate to do spoilers, but that's kind of where we're at. Um, I actually ended up training with the guy after this. So it was something I kind of got into it after uh, watching this. I saw him and then whole, the next, you know, a, a few months later, all of a sudden I'm at the gym and in comes uh, Red Hurd. So uh, turned out to be a really tough dude. Um, didn't have a, a whole lot of uh, success beyond World Valley Tudo Championship. Um, he fought in the first couple and, and made a name for himself. But um, the tournament's outstanding. Open weight, just chaos. Um, they follow that event up with uh, World Valley Tudo Championship 2. And this is kind of where they, they all of a sudden uh, – Back then, again, like you had a handful of events. So they kind of – you had a bunch going on in Brazil, but nothing that people really knew of. Circa de Lutas and uh, uh, just uh, all these Valley Tudo events. But these were the ones that were coming out uh, on video. That's uh, – I got this one. This is the number two event, World uh, Valley Tudo Championship 2. This was actually a super fight set up between Marco Huas and Oleg Tektarov, a rematch um, from their bout at the Ultimate Ultimate 1. Um, in the UFC, uh, which Oleg Tektarov ended up winning a, a judge's decision. They rematched in Brazil. That was set up as the super fight. Um, this one's a 30-minute uh, no time or 30-minute time limit. Um, they extended a little bit. Um, fight's not 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 super exciting. Both of the guys' styles didn't lend itself to each other. Huas boxes him up, but uh, just seeing those two guys, especially during this time frame. Um, and, I, and and then the tournament on this one, though, is really where it stepped up. Um, you had names like Vernon Tiger White. Mm, um, that's he, old school. Old school. Mm. Uh, Richard Hurd, again, uh, the winner of the first tournament, uh, slides in again to, to this tournament. And then you have uh, Pedro Hizzo, uh, who makes his MMA. I, I can't recall, if honestly, if it was his MMA debut or if it was just his uh, – he might have fought in Brazil, but this was his first coming out fight and anything. So all and he was and he was obviously Huas's protege. So Pedro Hizo comes in. Uh, I won't I won't give the total spoilers for that. Uh, great tournament, wild craziness. Uh, again, would definitely recommend Valley Two One Two and or yeah. One and Two. Um, I remember and, Pedro Hizo was one of the f- first guys that I saw use like leg kicks effectively. In uh, or am I thinking of Marco Huas? Well, who else, who else used kicks against uh, Paul Varlins um, at UFC 7 in the final? That's where he was the first one to really chop somebody down with leg kicks yeah, yeah, yeah. over a long period of time. But uh, 
who I st- or, uh, didn't fight uh, as often and he was older. So yeah. uh, basically Pedro Hizzo was a, um, a, a, not a mini me, but a, a clone, a younger clone of, I think where we think uh, Pedro Hizzo, or I'm sorry, where Marco Huas eventually would have, uh, what he would have been if we would have, rewound the clock 10 yeah. 12 13 years um and and then hizzo went on to use those leg kicks uh extremely successfully in the ufc uh getting two title shots against randy couture at heavyweight um and uh you know arguably winning one of those uh despite the judges uh decision in, in their first bout um you know it, the, the 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 world valley judo championship ended up putting on uh, 14 events uh, but the, the third one is the one that, uh, you know, one and two build up and then it's like third, all of a sudden you had the, the, this, uh, I feel like that's the one that, I mean, it was just, it's just violence. I mean, you have two fights where fights end with people fleeing the ring. Um, and, uh, it's the debut of Mark Kerr. Uh, so you get yeah. a, Totally smashing machine, uh, raw, uh, still scared. Mark Kerr. I think if you watch Smashing Machine, he in the documentary he he really uh, humanizes it by being f- afraid essentially of what he's getting into, and uh, the just the rawness and the. I mean, there's some gore in this. You've got. I, I mean, his fight with uh, Paul Varlins. Uh, his fight, he, he, and then he, I mean, he eventually ends up fighting Fabio Gergel, who he outweighs by like 70 pounds and he fights him for 30 minutes. And it is just a, I mean, these are when the fights were just pure blood and guts. And yeah, you and know, it, it's funny you mentioning Mark Kerr because I, I had to write a piece on him for my MMA news because, uh, before all this happened, you know, with, with UFC 244, the rock talked about how, how he's supposed to be doing a smashing machine movie which i would imagine is on hold with everything else now um but uh you know when he mentioned mark Kerr's name you know he didn't get the pop that he was probably hoping for when he talked about mark Kerr. he referred to him as the founding father of this uh, one of the founding fathers of mma which is kind of true because a lot of folks that like if there's folks that didn't get into the sport from watching the ultimate fighter like a lot of folks have I and mean, we've had like Mike Pendleton and guys like that and, and you know Nolan King all say that they, they, they got into it from watching Ultimate Fighter. If, it, if they didn't get into it from, from watching those things, the, uh, the Smashing Machine, especially when it aired on HBO, got them into interested or put MMA on their radar. So I had to rewatch that uh, to write my piece on him because I own it. It's actually in my living room now. Folks said that I haven't noticed I changed where I, where I sit, <laughs> but uh, my living room slash kitchen <laughs> in the, over here in uh, Carbazel Manor. Um, but uh, what should we call it? So the uh, the brutality that they show in in a lot of his his fights from back then, I feel like if if that was how fights, especially if those the old school pride rules and and the whole thing that happened back then, if if that was even in question now, the sport wouldn't be where it's at today. It would definitely wouldn't be where it's at today. Um, because I'm talk, talking about BMF titles, those were some BMS back then. Mark Kerr is definitely one of them. But um, I mean, I know you uh, you had just mentioned yours. Uh, <clears throat> my stuff is a little bit more. I don't want to say big league, I guess comparatively, as far as maybe it was a little bit longer lasting promotions. So, in relation to 
everyone else, like obviously the first UFC got me interested and I would watch them and I did just like you. I used to go to Palmer video <laughs> and get, uh, the old VHS tapes, like ultimate ultimate, uh, uh, when tank Abbott knocked the, what's it shut that dude off against the fence. I already forgot his name. Um, Steve Nelmark. Yeah. Yeah. When he, when Steve Nelmark falls down and it looks like he just let, left his whole, his soul leaves his body. And, uh, you know, I, I would watch those or whatever, but I didn't, I didn't care about technique or anything like that. So for me, uh, it was actually a little bit later, uh, definitely in the two uh, thousands. Uh, I, I've talked about it. I've definitely tweeted it a bunch of times when folks bring it up. Wasn't even the main event of the event. UFC 53, <laughs> back when they called events uh, names, heavy hitters. Here I was going to say, is that the heavy hitters <laughs> one? Yeah. So is that, is that Arlovsky and Buentello or Arlovsky and Eilers? Justin Eilers versus okay. Andre Arlovsky. But that's not the fight that got me. <laughs> it, it's the co-main event uh, between Carl Parisian and Matt Serra. Um, it, exactly. And it was, it was, uh, that was in 2005. And the reason why that one in particular sticks with me, I've actually rewatched that a few times, um, is because, uh, that's, that's, I, that was in June of 2005. I started jujitsu July, 2005, um, because watching those guys go back and forth and, and watching the, the throws and the sub attempts and, you know, the escapes, I was just like, oh my God, this is, this is, to me, it was otherworldly. And, uh, it's, it's one of the most exciting. First of all, Matt Sarah should have won that, in my opinion, because, uh, once it starts off, Matt Sarah had dropped Carl Parisian. And, and I, 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 who was the referee? I wonder if I can, I don't see who the referee was in it, but it might have been my boy Yamasaki. <laughs> I was going to say, it, pretty much back then, it was the rotation of Yamasaki, Mazagati. Or, yeah. uh, or uh, I don't mean John McCarthy might have even been a little bit on the outs right there, but yeah, yeah it wasn't. But, but Matt Sarah, I thought should have won that fight. If 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 they stopped fights the way they stopped him now, Matt Sarah would have won that fight. But that didn't happen. The fight went all all three rounds, and it went to a decision for Carl Parisian. And uh, it was hard to argue after. I mean, after the hit, the way that they fought afterwards, it was just hard to argue. But the the throws, submission attempts, reversals, and escapes. I mean, that's just it, it's it's probably the best back and forth you'll see with two grapplers fighting in MMA. And I'm talking high paced. I mean, if you were gonna look if you, if you wanted to watch a high paced uh all out mixed martial arts fight, UFC fifty three, co main event between those two, man. I mean that that's the fight that grabbed me. And then uh then I just wanted to see more and more after that. So for me, um I mean, and uh, you mentioned Smashing Machine and Mark Mark Kerr, so I went like going buying the DVDs for all the past uh, all the past Pride events until I uh, I eventually uh, uh, Boss Rutan came here to Elizabeth, New Jersey. Uh, Dan Mergliotta used to have a gym in Elizabeth, uh, and uh, he had him do a seminar there, and that's where I first met Boss, and he just kind of like. He actually said, if you want to learn about uh, the way this sport is evolving, watch Pride events and the commentary, and you can learn a thing or two. So that's what I made it a point. <laughs> that's what I made it a point to uh, to go and <laughs> to go and see. 
Fernando's talking about Mazagati. <laughs> before before you jump into Pride, I, I want to make a quick couple quick comments about mm-hmm. UFC 53, and and uh, I just pulled up the fight card, and uh, there was also two fights on that card. That one uh, that's worth watching again is David Loiza versus Charles McCarthy. Um, I don't know if you remember, but it it, it ends in one of the early like brutal uh, body kicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I I don't try to get technical with all names. I think it was just a spinning back, you know, reverse spinning back kick, basically, right yeah. to the body. Okay, um, and then the uh, the opening bout of that night, uh, I don't know if you remember it was Nick Diaz and yeah, yeah. Uh, Koji Oishi. Yeah, that might be that. It, it, I would say that's easily one of the top ten weirdest fights in MMA history. Um, it, I don't know if you remember, but you remember Oishi fighting a Diaz who you know, pitter pattered, punched the hell out of people decided not to cover his face and keep his hands down. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, while the fight only list lasted a minute and a half, yeah. uh, you almost got to see it to believe it because it's, it's easily one, like I said, one of the weirdest, uh, certainly one of the worst, uh, uh, strategies in MMA history. But, uh, I, I just want to throw those out there. Those are, uh, looking at the fight card. Those are two fights that jump out of me as ones that I, I remember. Yeah. Vividly. Well, the other, the other thing about that fight card, I mean, outside of it being in Atlantic city, New Jersey, um, it was, there was only eight fights on the card. Now, now if you have a, uh, less than a dozen or 13, it's considered a shorter card. And, uh, the, the pay, the attendance was only 12,000. The gate was, the gates will make you sick. If yeah. you look at the gates compared to the payout, I was looking at that the other day, and there was some that were like, "This is right before $1, the million one hundred dollars." And the and the they only sold nine thousand pay per views, which by today's standards means you got to shut down your your fight business. Yeah, your shark fight. If, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If you're selling nine thousand, but so you go ahead and get back into the pride things. I just wanted to jump out for if anybody's going to look these fights up or individually. Like you said, for for MMA, the Parisian Sarah fight is the fight of of the night on that card. That's the one that got me. Yeah, I mean, but just for for entertainment, the Loiza again, and and it's uh, um Loiza building himself up to an eventual t- eventual title shot. Um, at the time, he was a, he was a killer and, and an up and coming. Uh, potential star, and then Diaz, who everybody knows and loves, in one of his early fights again in a fight, minute and a half long, doesn't take long, but if you find it, uh, him versus uh, Oishi, uh, just bizarre as hell, and uh, you'll get a little chuckle out of uh, uh, about watching that fight, I would think. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously, like I said, I mean, you, you'd be hard to find. I mean, there's you, you could go through all of Pride's uh, catalog and find a lot of fights that you you'd like, but. Uh, the, uh, it does say. It does say. By the way, Yamasaki was the referee for Parisian. Of course uh, he was. Of course he was. <laughs> <laughs> so you did nail that one. Yeah, that's probably that might be where my 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 problem with him started. But uh, anyway, <laughs> let let me shut up because he still refs a lot of PFL events and I cover a lot of PFL events. Well, you uh, hard, hard or whatever the hell he does, right? Fucking weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't like Justin Bieber or somebody do that too? I don't even know. Hey, at least he's apparently sober during the fights, unlike uh, Herb Dean. Well, never mind. But uh, go go ahead with your. Uh, so uh, the uh, Pride, Pride uh, final conflict absolute that was in September of two thousand six. It was the uh, the closing rounds, the semifinals, and the finals of the open weight Grand Prix, which was like to me that was if if again if you want to if you want to try to call folks BMF. That is, uh, that's the real way to sh- to to figure that out because obviously no weight classes, 
you had little little dudes fighting big dudes and and back then uh, a a young Merkel Crow Cop fought at like uh was he a two oh five or a one eighty five or back then? Crow Cop? No, he was heavyweight. Crow Cop's never never I mean he maybe in K one he did, but he's always been a heavyweight, yeah. Yeah, I might be confusing him with, with uh Wanderlei too, because I know Wanderlei was one eighty four was oh you know what they, they use different titles in, in Japan too, like middleweight was light heavyweight here or something like that, right? Uh, middleweight was middleweight was essentially light heavyweight. Yeah, so. yeah. So it was it was different, but yeah, Krokop always was a heavyweight. Uh, Wanderlei, uh, anything from what they considered a middleweight up up into heavyweight and open weight. But they had the uh, uh, the open weight Grand Prix was something that uh, that to me just let said this is really what martial arts competition is about, you know. Um, the weight classes didn't matter, and uh, you had you had a lot of uh, probably a lot of brain damage going on back then. But but uh, uh, you know, Crow Cop won that tournament, and I feel like that's probably where he left the best of himself. Because obviously, when Pride folded, and you know, then he went to the UFC, and then you know the Gonzaga stuff and all the losses. He's, he he. It's funny because uh, the score, James Lynch, I th- might have wrote it. James Lynch or one of those guys, or or Nick Baldwin, I forget who who writes over there now. Uh, just wrote about like the busts UFC signing signing bus, and I th- they had a picture of Crow Cop there, and I was just like, you know what? It's hard to argue because, you know, towards the end of his career, maybe he started getting some wins back, but then obviously he had the the medical issues where that made him retire. I saw some training footage. He still works out and hits the bag and stuff. Like even though he's not fighting anymore, but it's it's just definitely like one of one of those things that you're like, damn man, I really wish folks could have seen him in Pride, you know. But uh, you, you, you'd be if you talk to today's MMA fan about pride or any of that, the stuff we're talking about, they're going to look at you like you have two heads. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 it's hard to argue the bus thing in a sense, I guess. Um, if you were around that time and, and obviously, uh, who'd you say wrote it? James Lynch. Is that who? You... I didn't look at the author. It's either okay. him or the other dude. <laughs> so it's some, somebody who, who's yeah. respected and, and knows yeah. what they're talking about. But, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the UFC really dropped the ball on a lot of that too. Uh, fans may not remember when they had Crow Cop come in, they had him fight Eddie Sanchez in his debut. Eddie Sanchez was a tough dude, um, local fighter from my neighborhood, um, and uh, uh, a tough, tough dude, but uh, not on Mirko's level. Uh, was a wasted fight. Um, then they gave him the Gonzaga, or they then they yeah then they did Gonzaga and Congo. It. it the UFC tried to play the game of we need to build this guy up um, at a time when you, you had all the highlights you really needed. They owned pride. They had his library. Um, they, the ultimate fighter was kicking ass on uh, spike. They could have at any point showed his fights. I think um, I, I guess he came over maybe slightly before the, the fold of pride, but I think, I think by the time, he fought. I think UFC 67 is when he fought uh, Eddie Sanchez, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then he fought Crow Cop at, uh, at uh, or not Crow Cop. He fought uh, at UFC 70. He fought Gonzaga. That's yeah. I'm, I'm reading uh, Fernando's comment. Yeah, man. I mean, I was, uh, I was, uh, I'm always a fan of the underdog, man. I always like to root for for the thing that folks don't know about. I, I mean. You can see that with my coverage now. Like I like to cover regional stuff. I like covering Bellator more than I like covering the UFC for that reason. And so back then to see the Crow Cop take that L, I was just like, dude, 
you're not you're, you're not you're not making us look good right now so no no and it hurt for for fans of of pride i just think that the ufc really dropped the ball to get back to my point um trying to set the fight up with uh couture um couture might have ate his lunch uh with his with his wrestling ability at the time um that might have exposed a little bit but it, really not just bringing in Krokop and just having him fight. I mean, you, you know, no disrespect to the late Justin Eilers, uh, but you just mentioned an event, not all that, you know, a year and a half prior basically to this uh, where we had Justin Eilers. Uh, I think he was coming. Yeah. He was, I think he had come off a win mm-hmm. if I remember right, but he's fighting for the heavyweight title. Uh, Buenatello again, good guy, good fighter, but fighting for the title. You get Krokop in there. The whole world wanted to see Krokop versus Couture. The UFC screws around. MMA does its thing, which it always does. Uh, everybody loses. Sure enough, that's what happens. And and then we never got to see that fight. And we ended up getting a, a lot of uh, Krokop uh, against guys that we didn't fights we didn't necessarily. Anthony Parash and. Um, you know, he eventually his last fight. He he avenged the loss to Gonzaga in a great fight. If if uh, another that's that would be a fight that fans should look up. Krokop versus Gonzaga too. Um, yeah, awesome, he avenged awesome. that loss. That's what I was saying. Like towards the end, he was he was starting to get get some wins back there. Uh, yeah, I mean, he went to he went to Japan and Ryzen, and he went on a, a big winning streak. I mean, I think he ended his career like on a nine or ten fight winning streak. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I uh, that was Krokop, but the event you. Uh, you want to if you want to get back to the event. I mean, you talk about a star-studded show. Uh, we don't get it; doesn't exist like that anymore. No, uh, and and it never honestly will. Um, not to steal your thunder, but I'm I'm just looking at the names and on a single event when you have Krokop, Josh Barnett, Arona, Overeem, Shogun <laughs> Hua, yeah, man. Um, uh, Alexandra Melianenko, Sergey Karatanov. Speaking uh, of which, really Noguera, quick, Noguera, Vanderlei. Sergey Karatanov <laughs> fights for Bellator now, and they're they're going to re-air Bellator 225. That's an event that I covered for uh, MMA News, and uh, um, the main event was Matt Mitrion, Sergey Karatanov. That's going to be they're going to show the entire event on YouTube. So if folks need some fresh. If you didn't see it, you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. It'll be uh, Saturday, I believe, they're going to show it. So make sure you're if you're not on Bellator's YouTube channel, you subscribe and hit the little bell nonsense so you can get the notification if you ain't got Jack going on, which none of us should because we're supposed to be staying away from everybody and everything. <laughs> so obviously you can get the Pride Final Conflict Absolute, uh, the full Final Conflict uh, Open Weight Tournament. You can get that on Fight Pass. Um, the World mm-hmm. Valley Tudo Championship events uh, I mentioned earlier are available on YouTube. Uh, if you search it, there's a couple really good no holds barred um, sites or, or pages, I guess you would say, uh, where where the guys post those full events. Uh, the IVC events there are, an, are, uh, are another one. IFC, I'm sorry. IVC is great too. Um, hard, probably hard to find in English commentary. Uh, World Valley Judo Championship is English commentary, and the IFC. Uh, if you really want to get into uh, early Igor oh, Vovchanshin uh, yeah. stuff, that would be something to get into the IFC Kiev event. Um, but one other old school event that would be is harder to find. You might be able to find the individual events. Um, I actually came across the VHS, and I have it a bootleg copy. Uh, I think directly from Brazil. Um, I got it from one of my. Uh, uh, training partners probably in like 98 maybe 
Um, and it's called the Brazil open fight, 1997, um, kind of a oddball event. Uh, you, you probably won most 90, most people probably have never even heard of it. Uh, the weird, the thing is that this event is the debut of Dan Henderson. Mm. Um, so Dan Henderson goes down to Brazil, uh, never having had a, uh, public, uh, I'm sure behind the scenes, they did plenty of fighting, um, where he was training out there, uh, you know, with quest. And, um, I think it was even, uh, in, in Arizona, which all of a sudden their, their fight team skips my mind. But, um, uh, so Henderson goes there, um, four man tournament, other side of the bracket, Jose Paley, Pele Landy Johns, uh, an old school, no holds barred legend of fighting. Um, Unfortunately, there's a huge upset in one of those fights. We don't get to see Henderson versus Pele in the finals, uh, but uh, it's the debut of Dan Henderson. If you can find it, great. Um, also a heavyweight tournament. This one, we do get the final. We get Kevin Randleman on one side against Scott Erickson, uh, or Tom Erickson, I'm sorry, on the other side. Um, Tom Erickson was like the 6'8", 300-pound wrestling beast that uh at the time people did not want to mess with uh he had won an eight-man tournament um uh martial arts reality super fighting uh event uh earlier uh in the year or or within the last year prior to this event so he had some name recognition coming in but um tom erickson kevin randleman uh they meet in the finals uh Randleman it becomes victim of one of the most brutal KOs that you will ever see. Um, and, and one of the early cases where uh, you, you feared for a, a fighter's safety um, mm. as you know, he's got a oxygen mask on with blood going everywhere and uh, them carrying him out of the cage. Um, I don't know. I don't know why you're talking about that. Just made me think you're talking about old school MMA. One of the worst cuts to me for me still is Marvin Eastman's, uh, face cut from uh, I think it's UFC oh. 40, <laughs> 43 uh, yeah forty three I was at I mean, that fight what was that Vitor Belfort right Vitor Belfort yeah knee to the face knee to the head yeah I mean yeah. it's literally like here to here <laughs> yeah. yeah that was an, that's another event uh, uh, Chuck uh, Chuck Tito won uh, Tank Abbott chemo uh, Frank Mears on the card. Um, Vernon White's on the card. Uh, that's another UFC 43. But um, again, for the for the Valley Tudo, if you just want to see some violence, no rules, uh, stuff that kind of really kickstarted this. Again, stuff you mentioned we couldn't really see anymore today, um, but we wouldn't see it today. Um, no. You had you had mismatches back then a lot of times. So you get guys like Dan Henderson, who um, obviously is world class, uh, uh, Randleman, Erickson. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Kerr, their fight in some of the fights, they run into studs um, and really tough dudes, but um, the skill discrepancy is so much different that you just see. I mean, there's just some sure violence and beatdowns. Yeah. but um, again, Brazil open fights, world Valley Tudo championships and, um, and uh, the IVC IVC and IFC would be ones that I would definitely get into. Um, one of these days we'll have to figure out a way to do a quote unquote fight companion thing and maybe watch some of these. Yeah. But, well, uh, I mean, we can watch them if they're airing, we don't have to put them on this broadcast, but if like folks are watching it, I know that's how Rogan does his thing. Uh, we can do uh, something like that. Like I, I, I wanted to do it uh, this past 
Saturday, but like like you said, uh, I mean, they showed like the edited, uh, dramatic, narrated versions of really great fights that they 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 would have been better if they just showed the straight fight. I had people text messaging me complaining about it. It's like, yeah. why UFC? You can't do it right. You have every, you have the world <laughs> in your hands right now. You're the only sport. People are tuning in to watch old fights of yours. Nobody does that for really any other sports. People don't tune in to watch a, a football game from four years ago. I mean, yeah. but they're tuning in to watch these fights and they put on this like documentary style. It, it's yeah. like a giant hype video. It's like the pre-fight video clips going, and then no, just show us the damn fights. Especially- yeah, literally the the drama is already in. I mean, that's the thing about combat sports that makes it unique. I mean, the the, the drama builds as you're watching the fight from the first bell to the to the last minutes of the last round. You know what I mean? Like like I mean, perfect examples: Weili Zhang versus Joanna, uh, former champion. She, uh, you know. If, if you if you did that to that fight, you'd be doing it a disservice by not showing every round. You know it's funny I mean? you mentioned that because I saw that that fight was airing. They're going to show that on ESPN or ESPN2. Um, mm. It was airing late night, though. I was going through the I, – I, I can't – it may have already aired. I, I don't know, but uh, I was going through my guide trying to find uh, something that we could – that we could comment on. And, and I saw that it, it was just labeled that though. It was Whaley Zhang versus Joanna. So they, they were just showing that single fight. It was like mm. a 30 minute or an hour Talk, long clip talking about pay-per-views. Well, I mean, are we talking, I know we were talking about at the beginning, but before we, we close out of uh, this week's episode, what do you think is going to, what do you think they're going to do with 249? Like, is it going to be on a boat or in some type of castle? Is it going to be like karate combat? <laughs> like what, what are we, what do you think? That, what do you? What do you? What, what, I have no idea. Dana White's I, not really I think, talking. About I think they're going to so. go to Russia. Mm. I think they'll find a place in Russia, uh, do it with no crowd, but still be allowed to have the. The thing about doing the United States is that no one's really allowing you to have groups of like ten or more. Yeah. So even if you go bare minimum between cameramen, cornermen, referee, fighters, uh, you know, doctors and judge. I mean, and you, you, judges you, you, alone. You're over that count. Do you think they're going to make us buy that pay per view too? I mean, they they have. To oh do, yeah. yeah, they're, they're oh, not yeah. going to. Let's let's be serious here. <laughs> they're, they're they're throwing away the live gate, which is going to be, which yeah. would have been like nine million dollars probably for this fight. Yeah. Um, I mean, prior to all this breaking out, I was glancing at stuff just to see about possibly coming out there, and the cheapest ticket I could find was via resale, and it was like three hundred dollars. So mm-hmm. there was no. Um, the UFC was going to make a bundle just on, on yeah. the gate uh, for the live show. So there's no doubt about it that they're going to, they're going to go after some of that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that money. Revenue? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if, especially if uh, white's uh, buddy uh, Trump sends out everybody a, a check, uh, he's going to yeah. want to dig into a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I, but yeah. yeah, I mean, but that's the fight we, that we've, wanted to see for so long i don't like how it's going down i I wish you could just say hey just postpone it at this point i'm not really like going crazy about it um yeah see uh fernando mentions they're doing the original plans for a pit surrounding it we talked about that last week Mm -hmm. if we're gonna do this let's do it right let's have pits let's you know let's do it in the middle of a uh, i i don't even we've you know we said in a cave or in a you know, if we're going to do it, that let's, let's, let's get crazy, you know, set up a stage, have a, you know, one-off freak show 
blood sport looking <laughs> event. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that won't happen. Um, I think the UFC has too uh, too much pride, I guess, in their quote unquote brand yeah. to to go off uh, off color too much. But I mean, we'd love to see that. Uh, I, I we we'll see how this goes. Uh, I, we it's a fight we need to see. We can't postpone it if they can run it somewhere. Just because of the history of it, we know you know as well as I do. If they postpone it, we're gonna get into Ramadan. Uh, someone's gonna. Uh, bust up a knee uh <laughs> someone's gonna have a, a you know a, a toothache or, yeah. exactly so <laughs> if, if you get to a point where both guys can do it now the crazy shit will be when they fly to uh to wherever they decide to do this and somebody misses weight and they have to cancel then all of a sudden that's when yeah. the real the real the world of mma kicks in and we realize that they're putting on an empty show with a co-main event of you know yeah. Roy Nelson versus you know, <laughs> Joe Charles or something. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So I don't know, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully all this, uh, hopefully the world stays isolated. Like, uh, yeah. like w- the two of us are being responsible and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. we get, we get our fights back. We get our sports back. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I can only watch stupid, uh, when I watch stupid robot fights and, Cherry picking championships or spin yeah. championships and Amtrak well, truck racing and I just nonsense over the weekend. Yeah, I mean there is a hopefully they don't make them not do it, but submission underground will be on Fight Pass this Sunday, and uh, I mean I'm ho- hopefully Chael can break up the uh, the uh, you know all the uh, binge watching and Tiger Kings and all that shit that everybody's watching now, uh, you know because you can only watch so many. Uh, gay polygamist tiger murderer documentaries <laughs> i i yeah I, uh, uh, yeah I haven't watched that i i don't know if I'll, oh. I'll get into that one. Oh, you you need to get into that one <laughs> Jeez. yeah we'll see but yeah, i don't no, know that, don't... That, that's a that's a that's a dark tunnel trust me once you're in though like it's a seven hour you're gonna be like oh my, i gotta see how this ends trust me it's it's worth it's worth it if you got the time, and I know we all got the time. Got the time. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But um, the the submission underground thing will be interesting. Whether they can, uh, whether they can do it, I because it's in Portland, right? Yeah, and and didn't they just get get uh, up their numbers too? Yeah, they, I mean Portland's yeah. not exactly a great place to be currently. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to avoid this. Uh, again, if they have a rule of 10 people in a room, I suppose maybe he can isolate it to get to that bare number, um, between, like I said, a couple cameramen or referee, if anybody can figure it out. Chael will figure it out. Yeah. Or he'll just cheat. You know, we, we, um, we that's, know. What, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> we, we know that about Chael. So, yeah. uh, so uh, you know, hope if it happens, great. It might get me to resubscribe to fight pass. Fight pass has been kind of my, my uh, ESPN uh, plus to you. So the real, the real fight sport thing. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. But, uh, you know, until then we'll see where we're at, but fans can always follow us at combat hour on Twitter, coast to coast combat hour on Instagram. You can follow me at MMA Hawk 21 on Twitter and Instagram. Follow edit Carbazal on Twitter and Carbeerzal on Instagram. Uh, follow him on Everything you got, dude. MM, my MMA news, <laughs> MMA news.com, sure dog. Uh, 137 p.m. 137. Yeah, we look forward to your uh, your wrestling writing. Uh, <laughs> hey, man. Good hustle and uh, 
doing a good job, man. You're one of the harder workers out there. So uh, be proud of that. And uh, you got some time now. So expect to see some good fucking content coming out. Yeah. <laughs> we just need the fights to happen. That's <laughs> All, All right, right man. man. Take it easy. Talk to you next week. Hey, guys. Ed here. East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions. And some the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. Maybe uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.